0: Hey everybody, welcome to Studio HFL. I'm your host, Larry Powell, and I'm really glad you're here today. Uh, Today's interview is from a live interview that I did with Peter Pickett and Eric Marine of Pickett-Blackburn down in Lexington, Kentucky. This was part of my Industry Pro Showcase this week, January 11th through 16th, and this interview was from last night, January 13th. And uh, what you're going to hear today is uh, some pretty cool discussion on... Uh, mouthpieces, of course, trumpets, yes, but also some background for these two guys, uh, customer service, and how they're handling things in the pandemic. There's a lot of fun conversation here. I hope you'll enjoy this. The full version is also on the YouTube channel, and if you make it over that way, I would encourage you to go ahead and subscribe. I'd also encourage you to visit Apple Podcast and leave a star rating and a review. I would really appreciate that. Uh, as far as social media goes, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at StudioHFL. If you really want to keep up on releases and get a heads up on other things coming out of StudioHFL, you can go to studiohfl.com and subscribe to the newsletter. There's also a blog, uh, there's some merchandise, there's also some cool information there. Uh, check that out if you haven't yet. Uh, also, if, yeah, I can't forget this. This is a, the biggest part of my intro and outro for these shows is recognizing my Patreon patrons. And if you don't know anything yet about Patreon, I would encourage you to go to patreon.com studiohfl studio HFL. And this is where you can become part of the Studio HFL community. You can subscribe at uh, one of four different tiers and become a supporter, a financial supporter, a backer of this program. And my current Patreon patrons, which of course include uh, my sponsors, who I'll get to in just a second, also include some individuals at some of the the lower tiers. And it doesn't matter what tier you subscribe to, it's all greatly appreciated. It's all completely uh, a wonderful contribution to what I'm doing here. So to all of my current Patreon patrons, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, again, you can go to patreon.com studiohfl and check all of that out. And I, of course I mentioned the sponsors. Those are uh, Messina Covers. And brass players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other musicians. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina Covers has your solution for completely custom case designs, even down to a wide variety of color schemes. Don't forget about options for mouthpiece pouches or pretty much anything you'd want to keep protected in a custom case. Check them out at MessinaCovers.net. If you're looking for excellence in trumpets, trombones, horns, and tubas, you need look no further than the Eastman Music Company or Eastman Winds. And S. E. Shires offers a complete line of brass instruments from the beginner all the way up to the professional. And you know, they are invested in creating a quality product when the legendary Doc Severinson himself helped design Eastman's beginner trumpet model. I've played that horn, it is unbelievable. If I had had that horn as a beginner, uh, I might have been a little bit better than I am today. Uh, you can find out, of course, more at eastmanwinds.com and seshires.com. And Pickett Blackburn has established themselves as a top tier resource for trumpet players. If you haven't had a chance to try any of the picket mouthpieces or any of the Blackburn trumpets, you need to get there and check those out. Of course, you know, getting there these days and the pandemic is one thing. But this is where Eric Murin can really help you out. Uh, You need to get in contact with with him through picketblackburn.com and uh, check those things out. Those are my sponsors. And uh, again, to you guys, I really appreciate it. So, without any further ado, let's get on to now this interview with Peter Pickett and Eric Marine from last night, January 13th, 2021. And again, this full video is also available on the YouTube channel. Enjoy.
1: <laughs>
0: All right. Hey, everybody. Larry Powell here, Studio HFL. And welcome to our third night, our, my third night of, of hosting what I've been calling the industry pro showcase. And of course I've been uh, having people on because this is usually the time that we go to music ed conferences and we get to see vendors and, and talk to everybody, you know, hobnob that whole fun thing. But of course uh, everything's happening virtually. And I thought, well, since we can't meet these people in person, let's do it online, give people a chance still to interact with, with everybody. So, you know, Monday night, we kicked it off with uh, Trent Austin. That was a great session. That uh, is uh, available. I put that on the podcast along uh, with the full videos on YouTube. Uh, last night with Ricky Riccardi and special guest Doc Severinsen, uh, that's going to go up on uh, on you, the podcast and YouTube tomorrow. Uh, this event tonight and the rest, they'll all go up after the fact. Uh, so tomorrow, uh, before I get to today's guest, tomorrow is going to be with Rudd. And uh, all about his new book, Side by Side. Uh, Friday is going to be Carl Hammond. He's, an, oh, cool. he's a mouthpiece maker, I think. I, I don't know if people have heard of him. Hammond Design, I think. Uh, and we're going to find out if everything is better in HD. Uh, with Carl, that's Friday night. And then Saturday, Eric, Erica Howard and David Messina from Messina Covers. And I, I'm looking forward to that because, you know, that's kind of another part of the industry we don't get to know a whole lot about. And they are really cool people, and that's gonna be a fun thing to get into. So uh, all of those people out there, and I can see the numbers climbing a little bit, uh, glad you're here, really appreciate you being here. And tonight's guests, I, I'm thrilled uh, to have you guys here, uh, Peter Pickett and Eric Marine from Pickett Blackburn. And uh, guys, we're gonna, we're gonna geek out on Mouthpiece and Trumpet Talk which is something I typically try to avoid in a, in a regular interview, right? I'm thinking if people wanna talk mouthpieces and gear, eh, let's do that somewhere else. But we are, we're gonna get into that tonight. But uh, first, uh, let's get a, just a little bit of background from you guys. Uh, Peter, this is, this is your baby, right? <laughs> so give us just a little bit of, uh, well, or as much as you want to of, of how Pickett Blackburn came to be
2: how it came to be. So this is a, uh, this is a great classic story of, um, a wannabe trumpet player, trumpet player who wanted to make some parts, but didn't know anybody and didn't have any money. And so in the garage behind my house, go off and make some little pieces and parts that I screwed onto my horn and poof, there we are, we're in business. And, uh, you know, that, that really continued for a number of years, like, uh, like a lot of hobbyists just kind of tinkering and, um, you know it was fun it it satisfied an itch but uh that that was the start it got a little bit of traction on trim kits and buttons and little kind of decorative aesthetic kind of things and that was fine but you know like you said before at the beginning everybody wants a new mouthpiece and a new trumpet and so it was all about equipment and getting into that probably uh 2007 2008 into mouthpieces and of course, with Vince DiMartino anywhere nearby, you know exactly what happened. <laughs> he shows up and says, "Yeah, yeah, that's great. Let's do this. Let's make this." And so he, along with uh, a bunch of other people, you know, who wanted to collaborate, and you know, everybody wants to satisfy that itch, and that was really fun to enable uh, that kind of working together. You know, musicians like to work together, and, and this was uh, on another bent. So the mouthpieces poked along. And and like you mentioned, when you go to conferences and people mm-hmm. want to talk about equipment, uh, they want to see you face to face and geek out. We all have that, that urge. And so the mouthpiece uh, in the market there obviously gave us lots of connections and opportunities to talk to people, including Cliff and Bunny Blackburn. So we became friends uh, over the years at all these uh, wonderful shows that we went to. And um, you know one thing led to another and so as cliff was getting closer to retirement we had a conversation and that led to the acquisition of Blackburn trumpets in 2016 and so now it was a it was a complete thing it was a mouthpiece and an instrument and so you know
0: that's it in a nutshell um, overnight success in 20 years kind of thing right uh, and, you know and of course i remember in our in our interview a few months ago of course we got into the fact that you've got is it two engineering degrees mm-hmm. you're kind of a smart guy right <laughs> i mean not just having the business savvy not just being able to put the business aspect of it together but i mean you really have you know you have that that what it takes to do what you do right i mean you can't just waltz in uh you know off the street and start making stuff like this without some kind of uh serious background some serious training in how to manipulate all that stuff right sure.
2: And that that is that's not uncommon for a lot of people that get into this business. So you mentioned Carl this week. Mm-hmm. You know, Carl had a long history of mouthpiece making and, and tooling and the ability to make things. So he entered uh, from a different perspective. But like you say, you know, everybody has some skills that they bring to the table, whether as a player, whether as an engineer, um, um, you know, a technician, whatever. Uh, all of us bring something to the table. No, nobody just jumps out of the boat and says, I'm gonna go make mouthpieces and I don't know how to play trumpet and I don't know how to make anything. And I, you know, I don't, everybody comes in with something. Uh, everybody that works here, you know, Eric, for example comes in as a, as a great trumpet player with lots of teaching experience, lots of playing experience. You know, Eric probably doesn't want to make a mouthpiece. Um, you know, we've put him in front of the machine a couple of times. But, <laughs> That, that didn't go well, but everybody brings something to the table before they get here, whether it's a degree in music or uh, like Greg, our bell maker is um, a brass repair technician and a woodwood wood repair technician, obvious skills that are applicable uh, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I brought a certain aspect, a, a certain tool set uh, to the picture. Um, and, you know, my job is to try to put it all together so that it does work.
0: Well, and, and not to leave out, you do have a degree in trumpet as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you are coming at it from a brass player's perspective. Sure. And, 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 the beginning, you know, it was
2: just me and my wife going to a show and, you know, when trumpet players go to a show, they want to talk to trumpet players. And that was not so much intentional in the beginning, but, you know, having some experience and able to speak the language and relate goes a long way. And yeah. so everybody that has joined and that does trade shows is a musician because people want to talk to musicians. Yeah, and that's, why, and that's why people call Eric. You know, that's, that's one of the things that brings value to us is that we don't have a bunch of generic suits or sales reps, you know,
0: answering the phone. It's not a call center. I mean, you're looking at the call center right there. Yeah. <laughs> Operator, <laughs> right? Say, uh, before, before we get to you, I got to mention, you, you say uh, trumpet players go to shows to talk to other trumpet players. Mm-hmm. I think it was 98 or 99, uh, ITG was at UK. Yes. And my wife, a violinist, went with me and, you know, she was, she was actually, uh, pretty sick that weekend, but, you know, I, I think she might've been pleasantly surprised. Uh, uh I don't know by the, we, we weren't knuckle draggers, you know, it's not like everybody was, was going across the, the campus, uh, like a bunch of sloths or apes, you know, I mean, so, uh, anyways, uh, okay. So this other guy here. Uh, with with uh, is that a Michigan helmet in the back? Right. Oh, sorry. See, I you knew it. You know I was going to pick it. It's Michigan State. Michigan State. I knew. I knew it was coming. Yeah. So Eric Marine, uh give us a little bit of background on yourself.
3: Yeah. So I went to uh, you know, I'm from Michigan. Uh, I went to Western Michigan University from uh, trumpet performance from undergrad, and then uh, Michigan State from my masters, and then I ended up down in uh, UK for my doctorate many moons ago. And then uh, that's where I met Peter uh, back in, I think it was 2008. Uh, He was still working at Lexmark and I was working on my DMA. So uh, I'd get done teaching at UK as a TA at about 10 PM or so. We'd go to Peter's shop. We'd work on some cornet backboards, have a couple of beers and uh, see what happens. And then, uh, you know, just, he was at Lexmark and I was at UK. We kind of parted ways a little bit just because of life, you know, just Mm -hmm. being busy with stuff. And about six half, I think it was about six and a half years ago. Peter called and said, "You want to come to a show?" I said, "Sure." So that was kind of what started everything else again. And um, you know, I've been a uh, mouthpiece collector since seventh grade. So uh, <laughs> haven't we all?
0: <laughs> uh,
3: yes, right. And that, yeah, it's it's just, uh, and it kind of lended itself well. Let me get rid of my cat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that that's it. You know, um, yeah, I love teaching trumpet. You know, I, I've taught. Uh, trumpet lessons for many, many, many years. I've taught over 25,000 trumpet lessons. I enjoy it. Uh, I love the aspect of just talking to a student, helping them. They can help me because that's how you learn. Right. And then um, it kind of went from there. So that's a nutshell.
0: I don't know that I've ever met anybody that has actually tracked how many lessons they've taught. <laughs> that, that's, to me, that's, uh, as Will Ferrell would say, that's mind-bottling. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I, I don't get that. How, how did you even start to figure that out? That's a great question. So
3: what happened about, uh was about a year ago, one of my students says, how many trumpet lessons have you taught? And I'm like, I have no idea. So then I went back to my logs and roughly taught how many students per week for how many years of the last 20 years. And then uh, ended up with, it was about 25,000 plus.
0: Wow. Uh, and every one of them enjoyable. <laughs> On both sides. On both sides. Yes. <laughs> On both sides. Yeah. Yes. Let's go yeah. with that. <laughs> uh, okay. So let me, let me interject here for just a second. Um, if anybody wants to comment, of course, um, then make sure we keep it friendly. But go ahead and, and uh, in the chat, there should be a place to, to send some questions for these guys. Uh, and we'll, we'll try to get to those as soon as they come through. Um, so uh, Eric, back to your doctorate, who was teaching at UK? while you were doing that?
3: It was Mark Cloudfelter.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Well, that's been, how long was his tenure there? Just a couple of uh, years, right?
3: Mark was there probably, uh, it was probably eight, nine years. Oh, wow.
1: Um, yeah,
3: because yeah. he left, let's see, I was done with coursework at UK back in 2008, and around, around that time is when he left in, um, to North Carolina.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, and now I was at UK. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in Kentucky. Vince was my first teacher. Yeah.
3: And ah, yeah, okay, 1980,
0: okay. 1984. Actually, I started studying with him in 82. Uh, you know, I was coming up and, and man, I was scared to death. I remember walking up the steps to his the studio that he had there. And I was absolutely scared to death because I what I heard coming out of that studio was like <laughs> nothing I had ever heard before. You know what I'm talking about, because he comes into your shop, what, every every day he gets a chance mm-hmm. and, and does Pretty the same much. thing, right? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right, so let's talk a little bit about these two brands. You've got Pickett. You've got Blackburn. Uh, of course, they complement each other. I mean, it's not like you're making ice cream cones and uh, trumpets, right? I mean, which, I don't know, might be kind of cool. Um, so you've got... Uh, both housed in the same in the same shop Mm -hmm. uh but peter other than you is there anybody who crosses over to do work on both so we we all actually we all do and the reason
2: for that is that both businesses need need help right they need work to be done and each business is relatively small uh and so together they make for a nice solid core business so Mm -hmm. yes the the mouthpiece department uh, makes parts for the trumpet department. And so obviously we have a lot of those capabilities in house, gives us a lot of flexibility. Um, And then the trumpet side, those guys are great buffing people. And so they buff mouthpieces. And the mouthpiece side of the business is certainly larger than the trumpet side since the trumpet side is much newer. And so the trumpet work, yes, we have a, a long waiting list in the tradition of Blackburn certainly, but in order to pay the bills, those guys come over and buff mouthpieces, and so we all go back and forth. Obviously, Eric touches everything that goes out the door, and talks to everybody, and so he's in both both camps. Um, so it is a very, as a small company, everybody does everything kind of kind of way. So, and and that's how it is successful. There's plenty of work to go around for everybody, and you get a little bit of variety, and nobody gets real burned out.
0: Uh, let, let's talk about that process of uh, building a trumpet. This is not a mass manufacturing thing, right? You're doing custom orders for the Blackburn trumpets. Yeah. Right.
2: So uh, the way that we do it is, is, Eric, would talk to you, we would see you at ITG, um, and we, we like to work with people because everybody is different. And so we do a lot of listening. Um, frankly, it's one of the enjoyable things when people come to the shop and you know, everything's so hectic, here's a chance just to sit down and hear people play um, and it is sometimes hard to slow down, but when we do, we we often hear a lot more history than we do playing. You know, I grew up this, I got this form from my dad, and then I quit for a bunch of years, and I played in college a bit, and then I'm in this community band now, and I got lessons from Vince last week, and I'm really excited. It, you hear this story, and you get a real idea about uh, where they're coming from, what their insecurities are, what they want to work on, um, what they're struggling with, and you combine that with a little bit of their playing, uh, and after you know relatively short period of time, and a good lunch, you get to learn a lot about them. <laughs> and from there, then we can make recommendations. Certainly from the vast assortment of mouthpieces we have, but we also have a vast assortment of blackbird trumpets, and so they can go through that. And they, will sometimes pick a model that's that what we might call off the shelf, um, and then we would go build one of those for them that has rings in the right place and any little idiosyncrasies that they're interested in. And then, like you say, we do build that horn for that person.
0: What's the, the time? Uh, how much time from beginning to end does it take for a custom horn? Uh,
2: anywhere from about 50 to 70
0: hours. Now, I mean, that's obviously not straight. So what are we talking like? Yeah, well, OK, that'd be cool if it was straight, straight through, <laughs> right? Uh, are we talking? Uh, what was it six weeks of work or two months? Or right. how does so, that? So that comes back to the schedule.
2: So, so Eric, I mean, what's the schedule right now? If, if Larry wants a horn, which how much time
3: should we allow for that? Yeah. Well, right now, uh, you know, we're about six to eight months uh, to delivery of a new horn. Wow. Uh, but but typically, when a horn enters the manufacturing, I'd probably say, uh, depending on the. What you're looking for, I'd say four to five weeks, depending on if we have to get it plated, uh, special engraving, other features. Uh, But once a horn starts the manufacturing, I'd probably say four to five weeks until completion is probably a good estimation. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, So, what about, uh, you know, let's say before plating? uh, And I remember I bought a Lawler, oh, years and years ago, and and he sent it up to me, you know, unplated, and I made a couple of changes, sent it back. He sent it back again. (laughs) <laughs> and then I said, "Yep, this is it." Then I sent it back, and he plated it. I mean, is that do you allow for that sort of process with what you do? Yeah,
2: but, well, certainly. And one of the Blackburn traditions that we have to make sure not to to change too much is that that custom consultation kind of experience. Mm-hmm. right If you want to buy an off- the shelf horn, you know you're not going to come to us. you're not going to wait. Whereas when you do collaborate with us and work with us, then, You're going to get something that it becomes an heirloom you know to you as opposed to just another horn Mm -hmm. and so some people are easy and some people have a have more difficulty uh verbalizing what they want and so they have to experience it right in order to to get it i mean how many trumpet players have you said so what what are you looking for and they go i don't know i just i just want something different okay that's that's, that's me (laughs) fine so so what do we do at a show Right? You say I'm playing on a this mouthpiece, and and I'm really having trouble getting to the end of the game. Oh, now we got something. So we give you. It almost doesn't matter what we give you. And then we're going to get another data point, and you say, you know, that feels that that feels better. But you know, do you hear this? When I do this, it doesn't feel right or something. Well, there's another data point, and the same thing going back to your question with the horn. They go, I just I just want it to feel right. What does that mean? I don't know. Right. So let's just give you something and you go, oh, that's, oh, wait, my finger sticks out a little bit far here because I've been pulling on it too much. Well, maybe, maybe we can adjust that ring to make that feel better.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, nobody offers that kind of consultation and experience um, without a whole lot of effort. And so our job is to make that easier so that you enjoy it and you don't mm-hmm. dread, like you're saying, going to a lesson. Cause you know, when you get in that lesson, it's going to be great. So let's get let's get that dread of going to a, a trumpet manufacturer over and have fun with it um, and, and see people that you enjoy.
0: Well, you know, it's it's funny uh, that you say when you ask somebody, what are you looking for? And, and I think, Eric, this goes back to a conversation. Remember, I, I called you or emailed you. This might be two, three months ago now. And, you know, I mean, I've 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 had some pretty significant weight loss in the last six months. and. I mean, <laughs> this this was devastated. Mm. I mean, there were times that I put that old mouthpiece up uh, that I had been playing on. It wasn't old, but it, you know what I mean. And man, it, well, what I realized is all this mass here had changed, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't panic. I thought, Eric, I got to call Eric, <laughs> right? And, and I did, and and so we uh, we emailed back forth, back and forth, and we actually got on the phone and chatted, right. Mm -hmm. and you were asking me great questions but here's the other thing peter this goes back to what you said is uh, eric you listened you listened to what i said and then you helped lead me in that conversation and then you you sent me oh man it's stuck (laughs) (laughs) it is it's really stuck in here there it is you sent me uh and i don't know if you can tell that's of course one of the acrylic Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. acrylic tops and uh, this bite might be the lightest mouthpiece I've, <laughs> I've ever had. But, you know, we talked through uh, what I was experiencing and uh, you nailed it, Eric. Uh, this has been great. Uh, it's it's a different throat uh, that I had been playing, smaller, but man, uh, you know, it, it's good. Well, and then I called you back uh, and I said, okay, now I need something for the commercial side, you know, and I, I don't know what I did with the other Uh, the other bottom part. But, you know, so you helped set me up with that other part. But you did, you made it easy. And now here's the thing is, um, I watched you guys do this. I've seen this at ITG conferences. I've been in the booth, you know, watching you guys interact. So there's already a level level of trust. I know that when I call you guys, I I can lay it out there. And Eric, I even admitted to you, man, I don't know anything about four sizes, I don't know about (laughs) dimensions, right? And I think that's where your expertise really shines through is you, because you have the knowledge you're a trumpet player yourself, but you are so hands-on with the manufacturing aspect of this, you know, you know what to say or what to recommend, right? And, you know, maybe you you might not get it the first time every time, but uh, you got it the first time with me (laughs) it was great (laughs) Well, that's good to hear and
3: uh i appreciate the kind words and you know as peter knows we do listen uh and uh you know players you know specs truly don't matter you know it comes down to you know does it feel good does it sound good you know if if you can listen to a player and kind of see exactly what field they're looking for and what sound they're looking for you can probably get someone close enough to an item where then you can kind of work with them to kind of tweak it mm-hmm. so for instance if you come uh, to see it's itg or come to a shop let's say you're playing a bach 3c well i recommend starting with a picket 3c to kind of level the playing field and then go from there if you're looking for something as uh, more efficiency uh, more free blowing uh, quicker articulation whatever you're, you're trying to fix or change mm-hmm. um, that's the easiest way to do that
0: uh so Eric, do you play picket mouthpieces?
3: <laughs> I play mul- many of them. <laughs> I I only have four right here.
0: <laughs> only only. Yeah, yeah, I I just realized I really may have put you on the spot. And I'm not going to ask about the Blackburn trumpet, but do you play a Blackburn trumpet? Yeah.
3: I do. I have a, yeah. a gold Okay, just give me one quick second. <laughs> gold-plated look at that it's my baby well i have three kids but it's
0: my (laughs) i I understand i understand (laughs) um yeah you know it's funny because and i know with brand loyalty right it's like i have a shires i have uh two shires and a and an eastman instrument you know but it's not what i play exclusively i mean there's always going to be some different equipment that makes its way in here and there right Mm -hmm. um but Peter, if I remember even thinking about trumpets, we were talking about, you know, developing the the, the higher keyed trumpets. Uh, maybe, I know you guys have an E flat because Vince posted like crazy, you know, I think when you, you delivered his, but what about, are you doing Fs, Gs, piccolos?
2: Yes, and so the four valve E flat D was a specialty instrument that Cliff designed and that has been very versatile. And certainly Vince makes use of all four of those pistons and makes that horn do lots of things. Uh, And then of course the E flat D three valve is another popular one. But to answer your question, so that's D, E flat. We make an E trumpet for like the Hummel. Um, The only key that we don't make is F and G flat, I guess. But there's a G A piccolo, and then there's an AB flat piccolo. Uh, And then Cliff has also made in the past a C piccolo, a four valve C piccolo. Uh, and I've only seen one of those in person, um, but that, that pretty much covers the range. It's funny, an F, an F trumpet is very difficult to make for whatever reason. They, hmm. they do exist, but Cliff never felt like there was a good need and wasn't happy with uh, the, the models that he had. So that's the only one that's not in there.
0: Well, if people uh, play Petrushka or Pulcinella a lot, they might argue that uh, they need an F trumpet because, mm-hmm. yeah, or even a really nice G trumpet, right? Okay. Um, you know, I'm not, by the way, I'm not placing an order <laughs> right now for one of those, um, sorry, sorry. you know, I, I have a canstool B flat AG piccolo. Okay. Okay. Three separate bells and, you know, the whole set of slides and, and uh, both cornet and trumpet uh, lead pipes that I can exchange. Uh-huh. Uh, the A side, oh, it's gorgeous. The B flat side I, I I take her to the prom, right? <laughs> <laughs> the G side, you know what? If it had been dedicated to G trumpet, it would have been great. Mm. Uh, you know, and I can see a challenge in making multiple keyed instruments like that. Uh, three keys, especially. But, you know, everybody makes a B flat A piccolo,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Unless you're Monette. <laughs> and, and then you have to be exclusive. But... Um, yeah. So, you know, here's a question I've never thought about asking before. When you design a B flat a piccolo. Do you think, OK, one side is the main side and, you know, maybe the B flat is, you, you know, one's going to be lesser than the other. Is that a
2: Yes, absolutely. There's always a compromise. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, let's, let's just take a standard trumpet. A standard trumpet is meant to play with no pistons. Right. It's a B flat. That's the way it's designed when you stick a bunch of tubing in the middle of that by pushing a button down, you get more and more compromised, right? And, and physics, um, with the combinations that we use, we're trying, it's non-compensating pistons, right? And so you've got to compromise the, the longer you make that horn. You know, it's, it's somewhat akin to just intonation, right? Back in the Baroque period, where that just intonation was meant to play in one key. And the, the farther harmonically you got around or got away from that one key, the worse it sounds. So, you know that's that's where some compensating piston work was invented in order to make up for some of that. That, of course, never really made it to the trumpet world because if you ever see a compensating euphonium, I mean it's just like spaghetti, right? Big. (laughs) uh, I mean, so there's some compensating flugel horns I'm aware of, but you know, for the most part. So to go back to your question, a B flat A, I mean, there's always going to be a compromise between how that horn is, is acoustically designed. Uh, and when you change it from B flat to A with like a standard standard pick, you're only changing the front end. You don't change the back end. Mm-hmm. Whereas like um, like the Yamaha C B flat A horn, the straight one, the long one, mm-hmm. you change a lot of stuff on that. And as a result, it, it probably makes it a little bit more akin to each one of those keys as opposed to trying to uh, reach across all of them
0: was it uh, David Hickman years ago and I don't maybe this was before you you got uh, in, in front of Blackburn he made a five valve C trumpet mhm was that was a Blackburn instrument is it, am i remembering yes. that
2: right that's right yeah. dave called up um, called up cliff and said i really want to make this this crossover horn i think toddle there was a toddle horn at one point that was a b flat a uh, kind of orchestra horn there are, have been some there have been some others but Dave believed that Cliff could make a better one. Um, and so they collaborated for a while and they went back and forth, just like you talked about on changing slide lengths and whatever else. Uh, and you know, Dave has been very pleased with how that horn came out. And so the way that that works is, and I have to remember this, Eric, let's see. on the left, On the left finger, <laughs> the trigger finger, you push, it's a push action, and it goes from a C trumpet to a D trumpet. So it's a full step ascending. And then the fourth piston is a descending half step, like your second piston. Mm-hmm. So between that, you get a D, D flat, C, and a C flat trumpet. So you got four trumpets in one that you can play. And that sounds great until you start reading music and you have to remember
0: what key you're at. So- <laughs> well, I, I remember the video that Dave put together, you know, of, of several different excerpts, orchestral mm-hmm. excerpts, right? And I don't know how long it took him to learn all of that. But, you know, it, what I thought about this after was, wait a second. We learned how to play a three valve trumpet. We, we learned the combinations, right? Yes. It, so why, why couldn't we just learn a five valve pattern? I That's mean, right. it's just, there, there's no reason we couldn't.
3: That's
2: right. Yeah. It is, it is more foreign than, than most. I mean, it, it's, it's like kids trying to learn a four, try to play a four valve piccolo, mm-hmm. right? That's just one more button. Okay. Conceptually it makes sense, but you just have to remember, Where that gets applied. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the challenges for me on that, on looking at Dave's book is that we, I'm a very visual person. So I see a note, you can kind of hear it, you kind of know where it's going to be. But when you see a note and it's a different key, right? Because you're in now D trumpet or C Mm -hmm. flat trumpet, that messes with me. And so (laughs) it's like I push the right buttons down and I play the wrong note. And whereas what Dave demonstrates is, physically, acoustically, the horn plays better in different keys on different notes to get around some of those those, uh, combinations.
0: This is gonna be a random question. Either of you guys have uh, a background in drum and bugle corps? Mm. No? Okay. So back in the day, I marched with a group called Star of Indiana, 1985, Mm. 86, 87, right? This is, I mean, oh my gosh, how many years ago now, right? (laughs) And, uh, oh my gosh, 35 years, 36, good heavens. Uh, So back in that day, we were on two valve Mm G-bugles. Right now, this was maybe only four or five years after they had gone from the uh, piston rotor, right? And some groups were actually still marching with some of the horns, you know, two valves, but a piston and a rotor. And then that had come from, you know, just the piston, uh, the mm-hmm. horizontal piston. And of course that had come from just a straight bugle with no valves. Right. But there was always somebody either on staff or somebody who had marched, you know, and some of these other cores that were like two valves, man, we used to do it with a valve and a piston. Oh yeah. Well, I remember, you know, <laughs> basically we hollowed out a tree every day and, and, and made a, a bugle out of that, you know, I mean, you, you know, and it's like, it, to me, of course, there, that was part of the legacy of drum corps, right? Uh, uh, being part of that history and, and having marched on those horrendous uh, <laughs> instruments. Uh, now, I think we're a lot more welcoming for evolution in the band and orchestral world, right? You know? And so seeing by the way, drum corps now play on B-flat trumpets. They have for quite a few years now. Uh, and, and I'm not happy about that, but that's a topic for another day. Um, yeah, so you see all these adaptations, and, and this is what I like about having so many manufacturers, having Shires, having you guys, having Warburton, uh, Harrelson, uh, Taylor. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm mentioning all your competition, right? But But, you know, it's like... There's, there's more opportunity for evolution. There's more opportunity for somebody to take a chance, mm-hmm. right? And, okay, so this, this is a long way to get here, but what's the risk that you guys are taking either with mouthpiece or trumpet design? Is there something that you guys are like right on the edge of this is gonna revolutionize the trumpet world?
2: <laughs> well, let, let's, let's look at a little bit of history on musical instruments, right? How much has the violin changed? in hundreds of years, right? There is tradition that is baked into our industry, uh, good or bad, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. not to say that tradition always defines goodness. You know, the, the brass instrument business has is relatively new compared to, say, string instruments and, and such. Um, now, that's not to say that what was done yesterday is the best thing ever, and today we can't make something better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also are dealing with culture. You know, nothing to do with the instruments, but culture, what culture has come to expect on both sides of the trumpet. Uh, There's great stories in Chicago. You know, Chicago Symphony plays on these original Vincent Bach trumpets. right? These things have stories and stories. They probably have cheeseburgers from God knows when still in there. Uh, They're just that old. Right. And they have been used and abused and they are run down. Anybody that looks at him would look at him and go, how in the hell do you play that? But people playing the horns and people listening to the horns have come to expect that for whatever it is. And anybody would argue playing those horns that there's probably something better that you could be playing today. I mean, it could just be a new Bach trumpet, but there's something that's probably better in some way, shape or form. But the culture has come to expect that particular setup. So we have to be very careful about... um, preaching or defining the culture going forward without listening to what the culture wants. And there's a whole part of our industry that doesn't want to change. And that's okay, right? There's a lot of tradition that that is steeped in a lot of history and appreciation. And that's fine. Uh, on, you know, take jazz, for instance, jazz comes along, you know, that's not what people expected. But that's what a, a certain culture wanted. And so that has become established. You have musical traditions that are invented every day and that are going to be established so in the instrument and the hardware side of things you know we do come up with better solutions to plastering this thing against our face (laughs) right so you know dave harrison of wedge has a different approach to how he puts this interface on his face and i think that's great you know if if dave and i met at his first itg in 2006 or 7 don't quote me on that And he had taken some mouthpieces on his grinder because he believed in the idea and he just made some and he had people try them Mm -hmm. going back just putting it on his face and he got some experience and he got some feedback and now he's got a very established philosophy that really works for some people Mm -hmm. and that's great right that's a that's a significant incremental change and that's a whole separate you know branch off the family tree we make more traditional round mouthpieces, but at the same time, the nice thing about this business is that there's pretty much infinite possibilities on how you can draw that shape. So Carl has his philosophy on yep. how the rim and his bite and the cups and the back bores work for a Hammond mouthpiece. Um, that's, that's one of the nice things about this very collegial industry for the most part, right? We all get along. We all respect each other. And, you know, Eric knows this. If, if, I mean, we have plenty of experience with other mouthpieces, right? And Eric has had, uh, I don't know, two or three other brands of mouthpieces through his years. <laughs> but uh, but as a result, though, you know, if we didn't have something that would fit you and you clearly have a need for a, a really soft bite because you've got a tooth that is sticking out and we're not going to suggest dental work, but rather, <laughs> we say, hey, you should try this other mouthpiece brand because their rim profiles typically work for mm-hmm. stuff that's like that's okay that's the right thing for you you know it's about you it's not about us and so you know that's that's why with with all the differences in the the manufacturers and innovation and changes for better or worse it just offers more possibilities to to meet to meet your needs
0: well and you know i think of course those are functional changes you know there are an awful lot of aesthetic visual (laughs) visually aesthetic changes being implemented and man i I think about andy taylor and Mm. some of the stuff that he does i mean these are works of art right they're beautiful things to look at and and they work you know every one of them works is it something that you know he's going to sell a ton of or that you're going to see on the orchestra stage probably not right but still what blows me away is the the creativity even jason harrelson right with with some of the stuff that he puts together man i'm like what uh, I don't know, I don't. Maybe he's standing too close to the grinder, or you know, sniffing too much valve oil. But uh, to be able to think of that stuff, hey, uh, here's a comment: David Wolf, who happens to be a, a former student of mine, cool. uh, his question: What about different mouthpiece materials—steel, titanium, et cetera? Mm. Ooh, titanium. <laughs> that sounds cool, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I well, mean, well, I know you, well, tell, tell us what kind of materials you guys use. So we use uh, pretty much predominantly brass, free
2: machining brass, and that's a little bit about a tradition. Uh, certainly from when I started, that was the only material that I had at my disposal, but it was also the very much traditional version. The, again, going back to the culture, the way a brass mouthpiece plays matches the best with the current culture. So to come in as a new supplier, a new manufacturer, it made sense to continue with that. Now we like you had that acrylic in front of you, right mm-hmm. So the acrylic is uh, becoming a larger and larger part of our business and it, so- by the way,
0: I'm gonna interject it is one of the most comfortable <laughs> mouthpieces I've ever played on <laughs> you know it was it was funky at the beginning but mm-hmm. uh, uh, that, okay back back to you.
2: Well so, I mean so Eric knows this sorry right? how many how many times do people call and say they're allergic or have some kind of mm-hmm. skin reaction to either the silver or the gold, or, or whatever, and so the acrylic offers a functional health alternative without completely turning it into a mouthpiece that they can't play. So the acrylic, the plastic, lexan, delrin, those plastics offer cold weather playing. You know, very much functional, uh, get your job done. Um, as for steel and titanium, that's not something we have experience with. Uh, we do make some mouthpieces out of solid copper, and that's a denser material than the copper than the brass that we use. And it does provide a different sound for the exact same mouthpiece design. Uh, but often enough, we are able to achieve what players want through the designs that we have without doing alternative materials. And there is some some health benefits, I'd say, to stainless in that it's relatively non-reactive. Um, and so, you know, there there is that, and they do sound different. And that sound is something that people want in some cases. And, you know, that's okay, right? Go
0: for it uh, on this. I mean, this is a, it's kind of a matte finish. What, what did you send me, Eric? What, what did I buy? I mean, this is not <laughs> a typical, it doesn't look like a typical brass. Uh, yeah,
3: the, the backboard there is probably brushed.
0: Okay. But it's still brass.
3: Mm-hmm. Correct.
0: Okay. Okay. And not titanium or some, no,
3: <laughs> no it, it's yeah. just brushed rather than polished. Okay. And, okay. and uh, one benefit of the brush is the fact that it does not show as much insertion marks. So if you crank on it a little bit, it's not right. as uh, aggressive as uh, like a polished backboard where you can really see it.
0: Gotcha. Uh, we've got another comment here. Brian Hoover. Uh, Brian's uh, right here in Indianapolis. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a local pro. Uh, oh, my gosh. And if I remember, Brian typically has a studio of like 60 or 70 kids. I mean, that's, to me, wow. that's insane. <laughs> uh, that's and yeah. So a uh, really fine trumpet player, really fine teacher. His question, do you do mouthpiece in-person consults during COVID-19?
3: That, that's a great question. So uh, for the first, uh, when we got back, Ellis here, we had the seven-week shutdown, and then uh, June 1st, we came back to work. Uh, we did for about three, four, five months or so, and then once the cases kind of um, came up, and also uh, we have a lot of visitors from many different states, you know, because we're so close to I-75. If you're driving from Michigan to Florida, uh, so we get uh, people from many different states, and for safety reasons, we kind of stopped that for a while and But as the cases kind of start going down and stuff, we will start doing uh, consultations in our shop again
0: Okay, so I mean this is what this is what we did, right? I mean, we did it remotely and it worked mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: it worked and And you do have an exchange uh policy. maybe Could talk you? a little bit about that too, just to let people know.
3: Yeah, so uh, of course we can uh, talk over the phone, Zoom, whatever a customer would like to do. And we do have a two-week exchange return policy on stock items. We have that because there is a honeymoon period. That is true because anytime you change anything with your body or trumpet, physical, anything you change, it's going to take a little getting used to. And then the reason we we ended up on two weeks is because that's a good number of you're going to know if something's working or it's not at that time mm-hmm. and at that time uh, typical most players are uh, the exchange because at that time they say this is amazing but i wish it was just slightly more free blowing or uh i wish it was a little easier to play in the high register you know at that time we can easily do an exchange make a tweak and we can learn something at that time
0: okay so let's go back to vince <laughs> right <laughs> vince is not your typical uh if you ask vince what he wants he's going to tell you right and he's, and probably uh, he might race you over to the machine and start trying it himself. I don't know if that's ever happened, but okay. So let's let's talk about that aspect of it. If somebody really comes in and they're like, I want this, 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 oh. what, what does that look like?
3: <laughs> yeah, t- typically, you know, if someone comes in they say they want this, 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 okay. You know, we're not gonna stand mm-hmm. in anyone's way uh, if they ask our opinion, we'll definitely give our opinion. Uh, but if someone has their mind set up, they're going to play a three C with the da da da. da. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the challenge comes is when you give them that exact thing and they say it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Right. So, again, it's we are not here to tell you who you are and what to do and how to do it. We are we are here to walk the journey with you, right? Because we know it's a journey. And part of that journey in that case is we just need to get on the same path together and then we'll be okay. So sometimes getting on that same path can be difficult. Um, other times people when they find out that you can that you can be trusted, they'll go, Oh, well that's interesting. Um I guess I wasn't right. What so what do you think that I that I'm I'm looking for here? And then that's like Eric said, that's just like, Oh, all right. Now now we can get somewhere on that journey.
3: Yeah, all you know, I awesome always awesome. awesome. Sorry Eric, go ahead I was okay like, I was gonna say most players are uh uh they're they're very curious uh mm. you know as as anyone everyone wants to learn something which peter and i learn we learn something every day, and so most players come in <clears throat> they might have an idea exactly what they want we'll start with that, and then we'll quickly possibly get away from that based on oh, I thought I was feeling this, but I'm actually feeling this, and oh. then that way we actually have something to go off of rather than just you know. 3C, 660 inner diameter, you know, something specific you need to have.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always find it interesting. And I, by the way, I love going to conferences. I love going to ITG or or state education conferences and, and going to the the exhibit area um, where you can listen to every double uh, A attempt on every trumpet around. Right. Uh, yeah. But to me, it's like, you know, that's fun. But it's like the worst to me, the worst possible place to go to trial something, right? Because there's so many distractions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and, and of course that is the benefit of being able to come back in person, like to make a make a trip, make a, a pilgrimage to Lexington. Yes, yes. Right. And yeah, yes. and uh, you know, so I know I'm looking forward to the opportunity. I've not been to the shop, you know, I'm looking forward to that opportunity uh to be able to come visit you guys at some point. Um and you, somebody mentioned lunch, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. There, there's, so there's barbecue right around the corner. So <laughs> right. Good. Uh, yeah, but uh, what's your perspective? I, you know, and I know trade shows. I learned this a while ago. Trade shows are not necessarily about selling. That's where you make relationships and and, and build relationships.
2: Yes. Again,
0: what we've all been missing here during
2: this COVID period is that that face to face, that collegial, that hanging out after the show, after the concert, over lunch, over breakfast, whatever, and just catching up, right? We are all, you know, we don't go to the same gigs. We don't hang out the same gigs. And here you've got like-minded people all in usually a really cool place. And so uh, even even the the shows that are every year, like Midwest and Chicago, I mean, I can't think of a, a better place to go every year, uh, or, or TMEA in San, uh, San Antonio. I mean, it is noisy, but I tell you, I, I, I tell students that say, I've never been to ITG. See, you have to go to experience the artist, the, the boneheads and, and all the equipment that, that, again, it's there for you. And, it, it, and, you know, don't feel shy. And, yeah, it's noisy and whatever else. And, frankly, that's good for some of them to feel more comfortable, like nobody's listening to you play by yourself in a big hall. I, it shows, I probably miss the shows the most out of everybody here. I just right. I just love the energy uh, that, that comes with that. And like you say, it's not a sales exercise. Yes, we sell stuff. But it's a, it's a lack of better term, a marketing exercise. Mm-hmm. We show up whether or not we're going to sell something because we need to be out there. You need to see us. We need to meet. We need to talk. You need to feel comfortable. You need to learn about who we are mm-hmm. and about what we have and then maybe next time you'll play something or the next time right that consistency of supporting the culture supporting ITG supporting Midwest supporting all the organizations that that make it possible to do what we do is uh, is super critical
0: well Question, uh, you know okay so experiencing things at a conference or you know actually being able to get your hands on uh, the equipment and try it is is one thing but There's also the value of having somebody like Vince, right? I mean, somebody super high profile. So aside from Vince, uh, who? Well, I know I've seen Yens play Pickett mouthpieces, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, he's got that custom, uh, it was a Cancer Blows uh, Mm -hmm. mouthpiece, I think. Uh, Who else plays Pickett and Blackburn out there high profile? Larry You're allowed to (laughs) say that again. Larry Powell. Um, uh, yeah, who's he? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Alan Bazzuti.
2: I mean, he, um, he was one of the early adopters. Again, thanks to Vince. Right? He and he and Vince went to school together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't think of anybody more intimidating than than Alan Bazzuti. All right. I
0: mean, but he's uh, yeah. But you know what? You've known him, You know him, right? He's like the the nicest, chillest well, guy out there. I
2: know that now. Not when he's
0: walking <laughs> across my backyard to my garage out in the middle of
2: nowhere <laughs> expecting magic, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean you know, I, everybody here at the shop knows that, you know, I don't think that I walk on water. I'm not God's gift to making mouthpieces or designing mouthpieces. Um, and so, you know, this guy, much like Vince, has decades of experience on equipment. And everybody under the sun has made something for him. And he's experienced a whole hell of a lot more than I have he's the one that needs to tell me what to do right and so you know and again it goes back to collaboration we had a couple things that that he liked and we collaborated and he left that day with something that he still plays on so and you're right he's super nice and and most guys like that you find out that they're not ogres right they don't have anything to prove for god's mm-hmm. sakes i mean if everybody you know bazooty has nothing to prove right? right we've all grown up you know, worshiping and getting posters. I, my, I don't know where that poster is. Um, I took it. It's in the showroom. <laughs> you know, I mean, as a, as a kid, you know, getting him to sign something. So Alan Vazuti probably one. Uh, you mentioned Jens. You know, we've all seen Jens speak and play, right? I mean, it is just on fire. He is high energy. I last, I could last about 30 minutes with that and he just wear me out. So he came to the shop one time uh, to work on some things, and he comes in. It was uh, probably early in the morning, nine or ten o'clock. Cup of coffee, and he just sat down. <sighs> man, it's good to be here. And we talked a little bit, and I said, "Are you okay? Are you feeling okay?" <laughs> it's like, man, I don't get to sit down and just be calm very often. I mean, nobody knows that side of Yen's, mm-hmm. you know, unless you do get him off of ITG and such. So as a result, though. It puts everything at ease as opposed to being wildly intimidated, like, you know, I'm going to give him something wrong. He's not going to like it. He's going to leave upset. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Um, So so trumpet players are certainly one one breed, but we deal with trombone players as well. Wycliffe Gordon was one of our very first uh, trombone guys. And, you know, he's super chill. He's just he's just a calm, comforting Mm -hmm. demeanor. And so that made it relatively easy to get out of the gate with Mm -hmm. him in the beginning. Um, Domingo of Boston Brass, um, a couple other uh, trombone players have been a nice uh, diversion from the regular trumpet folks that, that we get
1: mm-hmm. to mm-hmm.
0: So you you do have a, a low brass line, mm-hmm. uh, including tuba? Yes. Uh, horn? Yes. Really? Uh, so I'm just curious, You know, I'm, I'm thinking trumpet mouthpieces are definitely the, the biggest seller, right? Yeah. That's right. Okay, but I mean, there's still a market. Uh, you oh, guys are okay. still a significant part of what you do, right? Sure. So I, you know, trumpet players are
2: are hardware geeks, right? Um, the next hardware geek is a trombone player, uh, right?
0: You know, they don't—they're not quite as. I, free- I thought they were into IPAs and <laughs> and craft, you know other craft beers, right? I thought that was. No, their... But they have to hold their trombone with something while
2: they're, you know. Yeah, it's it. Again, it's, every brass player has the same challenges. We all fundamentally do the same thing. Uh, I think there are different mental approaches from each section, right? You know, that's where stereotypes come from. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we all do the same thing, right? We all need to play longer, faster, higher, better. It, it's true across all brass instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, and second of all, all the mouthpieces look the same, right? They're round pieces of brass about this long. So if we can make... Anything between a a tuba mouthpiece all the way down to a a cornetto mouthpiece,
0: Mm.
2: you know, there's capability that is that is untapped if we don't go explore the other brass instruments.
0: Well, uh, I'm glad you said that, and it's out of reach right now. (laughs) But I have one of your uh, baroque trumpet mouthpieces.
2: All
1: right.
0: So you know, I'm realizing, yeah, it's not just the the modern instruments. (laughs) You're actually getting into replicas of, of period mouthpieces. Yes, yes because i mean holy cow the demand for natural and baroque trumpet has just it's exploded <laughs> right it has which i think is really cool mm-hmm. uh it, so um anybody that plays a picket anybody of note no pun intended that that plays a picket <laughs> baroque uh, on the side? yeah,
3: yeah the, the baroque i mean gosh eric i can't i can't think of
2: the last time we've talked to somebody on
3: baroque oh uh, well probably the biggest name with with us would be john foster
0: Oh, of course. Yeah. Serious. Oh, man. You know, and, okay. There's another teddy bear, right? Yes. Like yeah. six, six foot. I don't know what, six foot four. and, and, he's, and a half.
3: he's tall. Yeah. <laughs>
0: he's, right. But, you know, I, he and Vince were actually here at my house a couple of years ago. We're sitting down to dinner and man, it was like the, the coolest. calm. Yeah. You Talk about calm. It was it had Jens been there. Well, yeah, that's okay. a whole different dynamic, but man Eric, I, I'm,
2: I'm really embarrassed. Yeah, so Eric and I were in Australia at the at the Australasia trumpet yeah. camp that John puts on. That yeah. was October of 18 uh, uh, 19 2019. Yeah, so October of 2019 we spent a week there. Um, and that was amazing, right? Because you know, John Foster is is a legend in his own own right there. and yeah. to hear him play, that in person is, I mean, everybody kind of knocks on Baroque trumpet, says out of tune, you know, in garden hoses. It doesn't sound like that when he plays. Holy uh, smokes.
0: The, the notes are right where God put them. I, it's, and Yeah. <laughs> right. I and like that's what he was doing. So, uh, okay. So it just occurred to me, of course, you know, you've got one of the biggest proponents of Baroque trumpet uh, with Jason Dovell right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, does well. I'm putting you guys on the spot. I'll edit this out. <laughs> uh, I'm curious. Does he use any of the the picket baroque? I don't. I don't think so on the on the mouthpieces. Do you know Eric? Um, I don't know.
2: Yeah. So yeah, we've we've been back and forth on that. You know, Jason is is a I, I might call a more traditional player where they latch onto something and they don't think about it anymore. And they're strong enough and technical enough to get around and get whatever job they need to get done. Jason and I worked together. Oh gosh, probably early on when he got to UK and we made some mouthpieces for him. And he's like, man, these things are great. And then he went back to the park that he'd been playing forever. And you know what? That's okay. Right. You know, there's, there's no requirement for teaching at UK that you have to play on our mouthpiece, (laughs) Um, and so that's okay. But like you say, he's also a big Baroque guy. Um, And so we'll eventually collaborate so that we get educated. Baroque is very new to us. I mean, believe me uh, it's, It makes some sense in its own right, but none of us have the experience of of Jason or John Foster to make any educated guess. So like you say, we do a lot of replica work. We apply a little bit of what we know to help people. Um, but you know, on a side, we also hope to make some Baroque trumpets. That would be a natural extension of, of what we're doing. And so that will probably happen at some point. And and then Jason will probably be very interested as well as John Foster. And then again, that collaboration is how we'll be able to learn.
0: Right uh i i just can't imagine you know taking on something new it's like uh because so many different tools right yeah. i mean you can't use uh you know thinking about bach you can't use a 37 mandrel uh to to do a, a baroque trumpet right <laughs> and it's not like you can yeah. go to costco and, <laughs> and find the new uh new one to throw on there but uh okay. So, yeah, you know, having the artists there, that's great, uh, Vince, and, and, you know, uh, I can see somebody who's had so much experience on other equipment, right? I mean, so you're benefiting, not just from, you know, his current playing, but you're benefiting from, well, the same with John Foster, right? I mean, all these guys are bringing in Mm -hmm. significant amounts of experience. This comes into your own, your own manufacturer. Right, this becomes a part of what you develop and what you deliver. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking. Uh, let's talk. Uh, what are you guys doing to pivot? Right, that's kind of the key word these days with with the pandemic. What are you guys doing to pivot with Pickett Blackburn to to stay relevant, to stay out there in front of everybody?
2: Uh, that's a that's a good question I think I, that's obviously a, a wildly overused term and uh, I don't think it's always applicable um, part of part of Eric's job especially this past year is to uh, not so much pivot but just stay present right again going back to why do we go to shows it's just so that we stay in in your mind right uh, top of mind uh, and so that's been I, I guess that's probably the minimum you just got to stay top of mind right now the things that we've been doing during the the shutdown so like for instance eric said that we were closed for was it seven weeks um the governor shut down everybody who was non-essential and one might argue that a trumpet manufacturer is essential yes i lost that argument with the governor (laughs) so we were closed for seven weeks everybody stuck at home you know no manufacturing no nothing um eric is very familiar with zoom now because of uh (laughs) being stuck in home there Mm -hmm. um but a lot of the a lot of that time was spent just rethinking on on how we do things and so when we did come back we did a a lot of machinery moving to reorganize so everything was packed together just out of necessity as things happened over Mm -hmm. the last couple of years Mm -hmm. and it's very rare that you get a pause button and you can rearrange and so we moved I don't know seven eight machines to another building. Uh, we rebuilt workbenches. We redid electric. We redid airlines, We did we did a whole lot of crap like that, just to spread out. And you know, in hindsight, I mean, holy cow, Eric! How, how do you like how spread out we are? Um, we are safe. insane. It, it's wonderful now because we're able to work and we're not all piled on top of each other in an office mm-hmm. building in a bunch of cubicles. So some some background, just organizational changes were certainly mm-hmm. there. Uh, it's it, going forward. You know, we look at at twenty one and twenty two and twenty three as uh, I guess a little bit of bounce back on the economy. But um, we also need to make sure that um, we continue to develop and we don't just lock down just to stay in business, right? So we've been continuing to develop new cornet mouthpieces. Like I said, we're working on natural trumpets coming out of Blackburn. Uh, we have some other super great projects coming out of Blackburn this year, I hope. Uh, last year, we we started making our own pistons in-house, right? So that was a huge step. Cliff, Cliff never made pistons. He wanted to, but it didn't make sense for him at the time. Uh, he's been very supportive. And so we were very fortunate to have the time uh, to make pistons. So now Blackburn trumpets are made almost, well, I guess, completely in-house. We mm-hmm. make that as well. Mm-hmm. So that only helps compound the brand uh, reputation, but it gives us the capability then to do these other projects that would be very difficult and expensive if we didn't have the capabilities in house.
0: Um, I, I, I don't want to forget to say publicly, thank you. Of course, uh, you know, Pickett Blackburn is a, a sponsor for the studio HFL show. So I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. And, you know, I, I hope you know that I've been trying to, every bit of social media that goes out there, right? Mm-hmm. Every podcast that goes out has got Picket Blackburn as part of that, so, so um, yeah. but you know what? I wouldn't have reached out to to you for that had I not believed in the business. You know, it's like, I, I could have gone to, I don't know, McDonald's or, you know, well, bad <laughs> example, uh, but, you know, I mean, it was very intentional because, well, first of all, I know the product, but I also, I know you guys and it's like you're you're legit you're down to earth uh you know i i remember really the first time i met you was the san antonio itg and your room was packed i mean eastman was right next to you and i would come over and, and i could barely find time to talk to somebody to because i mean you guys were swamped it wasn't your fault you guys were just swamped uh But then uh, I had probably one of the last trumpet conferences before the shutdown, right? November of 2019, Mm -hmm. uh, here in Indianapolis, I I hosted a conference. And, uh, you know, having you guys come, Eric, who came with you that day? I was myself and Taylor. Taylor. And, uh, you know, I, I just, of course, you know, when you organize something, everything else is kind of a blur. Uh, but I do remember I seeing the that. setup, but, you know, it, but I, again, you've witnessed how, you know that you've got people who are going to be there to interact mm-hmm. beautifully with, with the people that are coming to the event. So uh, I, I'm trying to lay it on. I'm trying to sugar, not really sugarcoat it. It's the truth. You know, you guys are, are genuine uh, and it's great to have people in the business like that, you know, and I'm I'm hoping more and more people get to experience that virtually and eventually back uh, in person. So, um, I appreciate what you guys do, you know, and uh, my proof is that, you know, I'm playing, (laughs) I'm playing your equipment, you know, uh, and I like it, you know, it's not like I'm just, uh, well for brand loyalty, you know, I gotta, (laughs) I gotta drive this car, but, um, okay, uh, guys, hang on just a second. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap things up. Uh, by the way, a couple of more comments, um, Oh, Brenda Clark. Uh, she is a former department chair at the University of Indianapolis, and uh, she has been one of the biggest supporters of me and the trumpet events here in Indianapolis. She and she's just, you know, a terrific person. But she says thanks for being a Studio HFL sponsor. Well, that reminds me, Peter. A few minutes ago, you said higher, faster, bigger. Oh, no, higher, faster, better. You're, you know, originally the Studio HFL was higher, faster, louder. Of course, now it's oh. here with the Legends. But I'm thinking HFB. <laughs> this doesn't have the same ring to it.
2: Well, better better means different things to different people.
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> or or batter, <laughs> higher, faster, batter. So, all right. Uh, so, just uh, for anybody that's watching right now, don't forget tomorrow night, with Rudd, eight o'clock. Friday is Carl Hammond. Uh, yeah. And Saturday is. Uh, uh, David Messina and Erica Howard from Messina Covers. Uh, nice. All of this stuff is gonna come out on YouTube and of course the podcast platform, I'll, I'll edit a little bit and put that out. Um, thanks to everybody who's who's been here through the the hour tonight. Uh, Peter, Eric, thank you guys so much for for giving us this hour tonight. And uh, please stay healthy.
2: Indeed, you can right?
0: say. Thank you. And uh, okay, I'm gonna sign off there. You guys hang on just a second. All right and uh, again, thanks everybody. Uh, visit, by the way, visit pickatblackburn.com. Visit studiohfl.com. Uh, you guys also have Mart uh, merchandise, right? Yes, need, yes So yes, everybody yes. needs to check that stuff out. Um, and uh, go to YouTube and subscribe to the Studio HFL YouTube channel. As soon as I get to a hundred subscribers, I can get a custom URL. So <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm at ninety right now. So there's wow. a. There's there's a plea to, to get me over a hundred. So, all right, you guys hang on everybody right. else. Thanks so much. Have a great night and uh, we'll see you hopefully tomorrow night. All right. All right. Well, that's where today's interview ends. You've heard this full version and with regular interviews, I will have accepted one or more one or more significant stories and made those available exclusively for my Patreon patrons. You can find out more about how to receive those benefits and others at patreon.com slash studio HFL. And again, to those who are already patrons, thank you, thank you, thank you. One more reminder to visit Apple Podcast and to leave both a star rating and a review, and to visit the Studio HFL YouTube channel and subscribe. This has been a production of Powell Music. That's me, Larry Powell. Yes, I'm the chef, sous-chef, and dishwasher here at Studio HFL. And of course, this show is supported again by the generosity of Messina Covers, Eastman Winds, S.E. Shires, and Pickett Blackburn. Once again, thank you for being here. I'm really grateful that you spent your time here. Time is one of our is is actually our most valuable resource, and uh, that you spent it here, I really appreciate it. Uh, be sure to check out all of the other interviews. And uh, until next time, take care and uh, stay healthy.